8 verses 26 through 39. And because I left my glasses, my arm is not long enough. I'm going to read it from here. When they arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee, as he stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes and he did not live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirits to come out of the man, for many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bounds and be driven by the demons into the wild. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there were on the hillside a large herd of swine were feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these, so he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swineherd saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and the country. Then people came out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the country of, excuse me, all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. Let's pray. Bless, O oh Lord, the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts. O oh Lord, our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. How many of you read the Harry Potter series? Enough of you. I had bought a couple of the books when the boys were younger and they had not expressed any interest in them. So they sat on the shelf until a number of them had been published. And I love to read on vacation and I read fun stuff on vacation. So not having been to the bookstore, I just pulled those off the shelf and took off. Well, when I got started, you might say I decided to blow through every one of them that had been printed. And my dear husband put me on their waiting list for the ones to be published. I had such fun with them. I was 
fascinated at how this piece of fiction could tell the truth about good and evil in such a powerful and imaginative way. A significant part of the Harry Potter series concedes that evil exists and how good must fight against it. And this evil is no small thing. In fact, it's so big in the person in Harry Potter that you don't... Voldemort is his name, and you don't say it out loud. The Dementors are these ghostly, dark figures that are the guards of the Azkaban prison, and they are so strong in their ugliness that if they get your kiss, they suck the joy out of your life. Evil creates its undeniable traps, and those traps become our prisons, isn't it true? And the consequences of those prisons is most assuredly that the life feels like it's being sucked out of us. Our scripture lesson today identifies the, the garrison dementors. This poor man has been unable to verbalize his need but Jesus sees him and knows immediately what the situation is. The demons recognize Jesus, and they are the ones who speak out and say, Don't torment us. A brief conversation ensues between Jesus and them. No fist fight, no high-speed chase. They just know from the onsight. They are outmatched. Don't torment us, they beg Jesus. Let us go into the swine. They don't want to return to the abyss. It's no home there either. So they ask to be placed in the pigs, and Jesus grants them the request. It's at this point that they enter the herd and run straight into a lake. During this time of history, it's important to understand that evil could not live under water. Water meant death. That's why when baptism started, it started as immersion, symbolizing to everyone that we go under and die to our old selves and are being raised anew as new creatures. Great for the man besieged by demons, not so lucky for the pigs. The response by the community is to be so scared by this man, Jesus, that they look at him and say, please leave. And Jesus says, okay. And he leaves. Eustaf Gonzalez urges us to reclaim Jesus' respect of the demonic. That evil exists and is a reality 
and a mystery. Certain events within our own recent history tell us that evil is real. The uh, lynchings of African Americans in the Holocaust not that long ago. And today the bombings and the mass shootings that wait in our streets. We're reminded by Martin Luther as he acknowledged in his hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, that this world is with devils filled that threaten to undo us. But it also says in the last stanza, the spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Admitting that there are powers in the world and in our lives that we cannot control is important. For therein lies our awareness that the power of Jesus to conquer those demons is present and real. And if Jesus had the power, his promise was that he must leave in order that that power be transferred to us. So that the Holy Spirit would come with the promise to have ninja-like powers of the Holy Spirit. I got a, a mug here a couple of weeks ago that says, Pastor, noun, the one empowered with ninja-like strength to, by, excuse me, by the Holy Spirit. I can't remember where it was and I can't see it. <laughs> it's okay, we'll make it. Bonilla is a contemporary writer, reminds us that being a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ doesn't free us from the torments of this life. Rather, obedience and hardship connect us to Jesus, the one who commands the winds and the waters, offering us insight, power, and the ability to thrive in the middle of it. So what about this devil-stomping ninja power that comes from the Spirit? Jesus tells us that we must be quick to acknowledge the presence and power of this world be, to be able to rid ourselves and deal successfully because its focus is his ministry. To do so, Jesus is crossing boundaries all the time to free us from those things. His first boundary is to cross into the garrison community, a place of Gentiles. In other words, not my people. Not only does Jesus heal him, he offers him salvation. A man who has done nothing to make himself clean. He's a foreigner a person not welcome, and yet without hesitation, Jesus offers him salvation. Then understand this restoration process has got to cost something. It cost us our comfort, our financial resources, and maybe even our reputations. 
In this instant, it cost the community their pigs. But whatever it costs, Jesus deems life and restoration worthy of the cost, whether we like it or not. We don't navigate these boundaries, my friends, without the power of the Holy Spirit. Craig and I had opportunity on Tuesday evening to go up to Marion Correctional Institute with uh, Tom and Sandy Hoffman. It was the eighth class graduation of Embark. Embark is the brainchild of Christine Money, who was for many years a warden. She's about this big tiniest little thing. You can't imagine her being a warden in a men's prison, but she has whipped that prison into a new shape. She brought Bill Glass in to offer Christ, and then she brought in Kairos Weekends, and then she designed Embark to be a 10-month process where people prepare themselves the year before their to be released, to be on the outside. Halfway through that 10-month process, they get two navigators, and these navigators are going to walk with them the moment they walk out of the doors of the prison, help them get a job, help them find a place to live, and when life slaps them around with unexpected things, to help them get through it. I'm sorry, I can't remember the first guy that spoke, but he said this, big guy, really big guy, he walks up to the podium, I should say he's sashayed. You can tell he still has a little tood about him, and he takes out of his pocket his paragraph speech that he's written, and then he goes, you can tell he's just about crossing boundaries any chance he gets, and he, want, he gets up and he says, I want you to know I've got some rough edges to which everybody giggles. And he said, but I want you to know how thankful I am because there are moments in my life when guys try to cut in front of me in line and everything in me wants to take them by the hair and put them at the back of the line. And there the Holy Spirit is saying, don't do it, man, don't do it. And Donnie's behind me going, don't do it, man, don't do it. And he said, do you know how grateful I am that they are helping me over my hard edges? This man is deeply aware that he's crossing new boundaries on his way to healing, and it is anything but easy. It's costing him his sense of justice, but by the power of the Holy Spirit in front of him and behind him, rough edges and all, he's growing. A man named Luther stood up and said, I want to thank Miss Money. She had a vision for us. She had a vision for this prison. She brought Kairos here, and she wanted us to be whole and healed. Paul says in the Scriptures, without a vision, the people perish. Thank you, Miss Money, for not leaving us for dead, naked and in the graveyard. Could a prison here 
Could boundaries be changed? The Holy Spirit is crossing boundaries in that program in their lives on a daily basis. Now, no doubt Jesus crossed many a boundary in his history with tax collectors and eating with sinners and speaking with women who had histories, touching lepers and raising the dead. What we discover is that Jesus is as much about restoring our identity as he is about healing anyone from their demons or their brokenness. Our garrison doesn't know who he is once he's healed. When asked his name, he says, I don't have one. I am legion. So many voices in his head that he can't count them. He's lost himself and ceases to recognize himself as a person. Not only is he separated from himself, he's separated from the community. Because when the community couldn't help him, they couldn't cure him, then they at least tried to contain him. And when they couldn't contain him, they had no choice but let him go and be naked and live among the tombs. They knew their place. He knew his. They were kind of okay with that. It worked. Now that he's well, the community doesn't know him anymore. And what are they going to do now? The scriptures say that the townsfolks found him sitting in his right mind and clothed at Jesus' feet. Who is he now? They were scared of him. They're still scared of him and more scared of Jesus. One of the Embark graduates was named Sam. Understand, Sam has been in prison for 38 years. And he said, this last 10 months has been the most challenging of my whole life. Isn't that hard to imagine? Sam said, aside from not knowing or now knowing that God takes the initiative. He understands, God takes the initiative to join in with him as we're working together. He says, I want to thank Robin and Dave for being my navigators. They've given me some really strong advice. They've, they've helped me figure out who I'm going to be now. He said, I asked Robin, he said, my children were barely two years old when I was put in prison, he said, I don't know how to be a part of their lives. How do I do that? What do I say to them? And Robin looked at him and said, pray, pray. And then you call them up and ask if there's room in their lives for you. He said, you don't know what that means to me. I've worried about that until I was sick. And now I know where to start. And then he looked at his other friend, Dave, and said, Dave, you've been married for over 40 years. How have you stayed happily married for that long? And, Rob, and Dave says to him, pray. Pray. Then let your wife win 90% of the arguments. Someone in the room said, no, 95 
At the end of Sam's speech, he, uh, he gave it to me. I wanted to share it with you. And he had written, I still have struggles in big capital letters. But thanks be to God, now I have the means to stay on the right track. From the bottom of my heart, I love you and I thank you for treating me like the Christian brother that I am. Do you hear that? He knows who he is now. Sam is a ninja-powered brother of Christ, and that knowledge is restoring him. So what's next for our new garrison? Now that he's restored, he wants to follow Jesus, and Jesus turns around and says, no. He charges him rather to become responsible as the first missionary to the Gentile territory. Jesus says to him, go and declare how much God has done for you. Now understand, it's going to be much longer before Jesus turns around and invites his disciples to do that. All of these people up until this point have been asking to follow Jesus, and they're going. But Jesus seems to be giving this man the responsibility and the authority to take the good news of this experience to effectuate change within the community with the power he has just witnessed. The garrison community is scared to death. They've asked Jesus to leave, and with his okay, he moves on. You know, Jesus never stays where he's unwelcome. So for the power and presence of this mighty act to become anything other than local legend, this garrison must now stay and become the power and presence of God to be there and to spread the gospel. On Tuesday night on the way home, Tom said, you know the guy, I won't, I won't name him. He said, you know who he is? I said, yes, I know who that is. This is a gentleman that works with several Bible studies. He's on the inside. Uh, and he said, do you know why he's in? He's probably a lifer. He said, this man was the henchman for the Aryan nation. Now, that's the second in command, and you don't get that title from delivering flowers. This now gentle man may never get out, ever. But I can tell you he is now clothed, and in his right mind, he is restored. He can't leave, and yet he daily and weekly shares the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not as a person on the outside coming in who can leave, but one of their own. Filled with a devil stomp, a ninja-powered spirit of Christ in this difficult prison. I want you to know that the last speaker that evening had gone to seminary. You can graduate from seminary in prison. I didn't know that. 
Someday, if he's out, he must come preach to you. I've never heard a better preacher in my life. He said this, Thank you. You've done what only Jesus would do. You have loved those who are unlovable. You've changed those who are unchangeable. You have healed the unhealable. He and the Embark grads every day take the spirit power of Christ to transform the lives as they walk together, changing the community within and taking it out with them when they go. It's a mission field in there. Our mission is to take the healing and liberating love of God, be led by the Holy Spirit into the desolate places within this world, to live our lives where the boundaries force us to try to be controlled and then to destroy them. Will we do it? Will you call upon the ninja power of the Holy Spirit to fill you and use you in the healing of the brokenness and pain of this world? I see a new coffee mug in my future. Stony Brookers, noun, God-loving, devil-stomping ninjas powered by the Holy Spirit, mission to be the presence of God in this world. That's you. If you didn't know who you are, that's you. Beth Collier, who is Christy DeVries' daughter, is a profound writer of prayers. And Christy shared this one with us at Leadership Board on uh, Thursday night. Would you pray with me? O oh God, to whom I seek refuge for myself, I long to be that refuge for others. The way I'm grounded in you, let me be grounded for those who trust and rely on me. The way I turn to you for comfort in times of hardship, let me be the one to whom others turn when in need of a listening ear or a shoulder to cry on. The way I seek wisdom for you, let me be the one who shares wisdom with others. May those who know me find me a source of strength and comfort, a safe refuge from the hardships of the world, and may this be an extension of the refuge and love that you share to all. May it be so. May it be so. And the family of God said, Amen.